Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. I did. <laughs> yeah, I got a tattoo last night. It says Daytona 500 champ on it. It's pretty cool. And you'll never be able to see it either. And that bit of levity is how we start this edition of Motorsports Madness, because yes, Austin Dillon did get a tattoo for winning the Daytona 500. And if you're wondering about all the rumors of where he got it. Just go play ZZ Top's tush and you'll get the idea. <laughs> yeah, those were right. It's spot on, too. By the way, that's also the second time that Austin Dillon's posterior has made headlines on this radio show, Tom. Because you and I were at Charlotte in 2014 <laughs> when he got hit in the ass by a firework. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which would have been more painful, to be honest, uh, <laughs> having the tattoo or the firework. But Don't uh, get a needle anywhere near me. That's yeah, all I got to say. Especially that part of me. Good grief. <laughs> on that note, good evening, race fans and all of you who haven't been scared off here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Uh, if that wasn't a Tony Stewart <laughs> moment, I don't know what was. Well, I, I'm with you there. That's That's definitely something that Smoke would have probably said or something to that effect. Or at least how he would have sounded about it when exactly. he described it to the media. Exactly. Anyway, all that said, I'm Jacob Seelman. The bloke next to me at the round table is bloke? Tom Baker. Yes. Are we across the pond now? Did I miss? Did we get transported somewhere? No, I'm just using a Jamesism. Yeah. For those of you out there listening, today's word of the day is bloke. <laughs> you didn't say it right, but I would have to pay James it's to come bloke. back on here in order to say it right. Anyway, we have a Not loaded cast. We got a lot to get to tonight. Joining us at the roundtable for this first hour of action are analysts Cisco Scaramuza and our usual Dr. Dirt, who's going to chime in on plenty of NASCAR conversation, Steve Ovens tonight. We also have an all-star guest cast coming to you. Here in the first hour, you're going to hear from Harrison Rhodes, who comes back to our show getting ready to make his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut this coming weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Woo! I just said at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Where? <laughs> in Georgia. Where? I'm missing the joke. Oh, Rick Ware Racing. Correct. Ha. Sorry. When you say when you say where, <laughs> that usually implies a place. That doesn't imply the team. Well, it worked. Continue, Whatever. please. Thank you. You're welcome. Getting back to our guest cast, second hour, you're going to hear from the top two in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race from Friday at Daytona International Speedway, those being Justin Haley, who comes back to us for a second straight show because we promised him if he ran well at Daytona, he could come back. Well, he ran well at Daytona. And right after that, you're going to hear from his teammate, Johnny Sauter, who actually won the thing. Yes. Again. That's correct. And then there's going to be a JD Motorsports sighting with Garrett Smithley too. So nothing. that's all well we're and fun. We're going to talk about nothing. Nothing. Who actually no? We're going to talk about something because he, he turned made nothing, nothing something. into something. He exactly. Sure did. Made it a top five car. Exactly, he did. But first, we're going to talk about the Great American Race. Why? Because for the second year in a row, we had a last lap pass and craziness decide. The Great American Race. Last year, it was Kyle Larson running out of fuel and Kurt Busch driving to victory. This year, well, there was just a little contact and one car crashed in turn three, Tom. And the three 
20 years later, winning the Daytona 500 again. If I'm Reynolds Wrap Tinfoil, hello, I'm getting ready to make a lot of money, I think. You stole Steve Oven's line. Um, I don't know. Look, <laughs> anybody who would try to make a conspiracy out of this, just go find a UFC event or WWE and just tune into that. Um, congratulations to Austin Dillon. I, you know, there, I have several thoughts on this. And I'm going to try to make them briefly and tie them in together. Do I appreciate someone turning someone else to win? No. Do I appreciate someone throwing a hard block? No. Uh, neither of those are things I generally like to see as a race fan, especially when I see cars going up and down the racetrack like zigzags. Um, but you know what? It's the last lap of the Daytona 500, folks. And... You've got a guy in the lead who's obviously going to block because that's his job. He kind of wants to win the thing. And you've got a bunch of guys behind him who are trying to find room to run. And Eric Almirola slid up to block Austin Dillon when he knew Austin was there. Austin hit him. He turned into the fence. This is not something we haven't seen before. It's not something that I advocate, but... I can't be mad at Austin Dillon, nor can I be disappointed with the fact that he won the 500. And no, it's not a conspiracy. That team looked good all weekend long, all week long, really, and ran clean, as did their quasi-teammate Bubba Wallace, who finished second. And as far as I'm concerned, Jacob, I have no issue with what Austin Dillon did because I honestly don't think that he was immediately thinking, I'm going to wreck Eric Almirola. I think he was thinking, I'm going to pass him and win the race. It so happened that when Eric slid to block and Austin tried to zig to counteract the zag, he got turned. So mm -hmm. that's the way I see it. I don't, I, I don't think he meant to put him in the fence. No. He no, should. of course he didn't but, intend to put him I in the fence. But I suppose if it makes pe certain people comfortable, we can say he was just trying to rattle his cage. <laughs> the move, Steve Ovens, was very Earnhardt-esque, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, and, and guys, here's, here's the, the thing that I think is unfortunate with Austin Dillon winning the race in this fashion. I think it's fantastic for that young man, his team, his grandfather, the whole deal. I, I love that story. The unfortunate part, Jacob, is... Austin Dillon now has two Monster Energy, Energy Series Cup wins, and both of them, you could say, either involved controversy or involved some kind of radical call that got them the win. You think back to the Coke 600, they used fuel mileage to get the win. Now you've got a controversy in which he's turned a car to get the win. I am so looking forward. I hope Austin Dillon goes to Atlanta and flat out beats a guy one on one because I am I have been so tired today, guys, of hearing people talk about the fact that, you know, everything negative about Austin Dillon. The kid just went and out and won the Daytona 500. Let's talk about that. Let's not talk about all the negative things that we can conjure up. It just 
I hope he goes out in Atlanta and smokes them this weekend so that we can talk about the fact that he went out, drove his butt off, and got a win. Cisco, I'm, before I get into all of that that Steve just opened, <laughs> let's add to this, by the way, that there have been two times the Daytona 500 has been held on February 18th since 2001, which we know what happened then. 2007, Kevin Harvick wins the Daytona 500 in a photo finish in the renumbered car that used to be Dale Earnhardt's. 2018, Austin Dillon wins the Daytona 500 with a very Earnhardt-like move in a black number three car. Kind of spooky, isn't it? it? It's kind of spooky, but we knew after Austin was has been able to win on these plate tracks in the past that like what Tom said, it's not really a surprise that, you know, Austin was up there. I'm certainly part of that comes from, you know, a lot of the Fords that I think we were all expecting to be up there running into issues throughout the race. But nonetheless, Austin showed and proved in that race that guys, I'm a threat at these tracks. You should be worried about me. And I have to agree with Steve. A lot of the flack he's been getting the last couple days has just been, you know, all the negative things, you know, basically airing out everything that's in Austin Dillon's closet. I mean, hmm. he won the Daytona 500. Can just let him celebrate. Sheesh. Well, hang on a minute. They did let him celebrate on the front stretch. And I want to give anybody who was living under a rock yesterday and get didn't get a chance to hear that celebration a chance to hear it right now because everybody's emotions were on display. This, however, was probably second to topping them all. I don't know. Right now, I just want to thank the good Lord above. I mean, I, I did what I had to do at the end. I hate it for the 10 guys. Uh, we just had a run, and I stayed in the gas what it is here at Daytona but uh, it is so awesome to take the three car back to victory lane 20 years ago this one's for Dale Earnhardt senior and all those senior fans I love you guys we're gonna keep kicking butt the rest of the year he had a lucky penny in the car anything special in this three I had a fan uh, actually he had no favorite driver and I told him I said I'll give you my hat if you if I'm your favorite driver well I gave him the hat the next day he saw me in the in the infield and said here's a lucky penny i found heads up and i said man we got to put that in the car put it in the car and we're here in victory lane yeah and by the way tom i i know you wanted to jump back into this there's the penny parallel too yeah uh dale had a lucky penny from a fan it was a i think it was a little girl yes little, i believe little, it little was girl uh when he won the 598 yeah look it's plate racing people i mean in in what what bothers me about this the most is Again, we see the very worst in the fandom, in the fan base. Mm-hmm. We, we, we see the very worst. At the, it, when, it, it, today, so many people just, I mean, going over the top on social media, cussing and just lots of name calling toward Austin and whatever. It's like, you know, if this were Chase Elliott that took out Austin Dillon, those same people would be cheering, at, you know, as if, it it just bugs me that it's uh, so many people are so hypocritical. To be honest, I I don't like the way it ended. I mean, I would rather that somebody'd want it clean, but honestly, it is what it is. And as Austin said, it's the last lap. He didn't lift. Eric knew when he threw the block. How many times have you seen a, a guy wreck 
trying to block. See Regan Smith a couple years ago in the Xfinity or race. Or see Daytona. Kyle Larson Kyle in Larson. Saturday's Xfinity race. Well, yeah, Larson took out the field about 98 times. He just, nobody spun and wrecked. And then until finally, the last yeah, until Or the first overtime, him. sorry. You know, Stenhouse was taking people out during the week just by <laughs> drafting him and taking the air and out. And then he blocked and we caused a big wreck yeah, at lap 60. I mean, you know, so I'm sorry, folks. It just It's not, nothing Eric did wrong, nothing Austin did wrong. It's the Daytona 500. You do what you got to do to win it, and that's how it happened. So that's where we're at. Uh-huh. Congratulations to Austin Dillon. As far as I'm concerned, we That's move the on. end of that. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I'm going to remind people that Eric, to the media after his TV interview, A, admitted to blocking, and B, said he would have done the exact same thing that Austin did well, if the roles were reversed. And if Austin lifts and gets hit from behind and causes a big wreck, he's still the chump. Exactly. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more talk on the Daytona 500. We'll uh, highlight some really strong runs, and we'll talk about the closest finish in NASCAR history. Why? Because that's what we do here. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We're back after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes... Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably... Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
how about that? We found us an Xfinity winner bringing we us did. back from break. Yeah, that uh, that that race, uh, well, you know, if uh, – that, that, that tried to never end? Man, I mean, it was, it was just uh, the race that kept on giving there, wasn't it? For a while. Steve, this set a lot of records in a lot of ways. It was the longest Xfinity race by mileage in the history of the series. We had five overtimes, which is a record for any NASCAR National Series in history. We had a record number of cautions for the Xfinity Series at Daytona. And at the end of it all, you get to hear me say this. Four ten thousandths of a second, Tyler Reddick wins in a junior motorsports car over teammate Elliot Sadler. And I'm going to add this because I can. God bless Daryl Waltrip and Larry McReynolds. Have you ever? <laughs> well, that's that's exactly it. I think what the Xfinity Series was trying to do, they watched the ARCA race and then said, hey, ARCA, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was it was crazy how many overtimes we had. But I'm going to go back to something I heard this morning, and, <laughs> and I, I think it's absolutely true. Without, those, without all of those overtimes and without the rules stated as they were, Jacob, we don't see that finish. And so the question, if you're a fan, the question you have to ask yourself is, are you okay with five overtimes to get that finish. Tom me was. Yes. Me personally, Tom, yes. Give me five overtimes if that's the finish that I get to see. Absolutely, I'll take that every day. Absolutely, 100%. I, I just, even, you know, Mason Mitchell talked about it over the weekend on Twitter. You know, racing is meant to be finished under the green period end of discussion you don't have a race and ended under a yellow flag because the race then ends under a hold it's not over i mean that you just abandon it and say well we've had enough absolutely it was worth it and, and honestly if you look at the way that finish played out there were a number of drivers who advanced positions to the last couple restarts of that race who wouldn't have done as well as they did if it had ended sooner. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the rule, the way it's written, they followed it to the letter. The drivers Absolutely. just couldn't get them back around to the finish line. Even though Tyler Reddick came within 50 feet of doing it during overtime number oh, three. Yeah. Cisco, I mean, it was just honestly a, a situation where this could have ended, as Jacob said, before the, uh, what, the third overtime, but... You know, it didn't. They got the caution out in time, and I think the finish was well worth it. You say? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think the uh, I think just the motto of 2018 was let's wreck as many cars at the Daytona Oval as humanly possible because we basically did that across all four races out there, uh, all four of the big races, even the clash and the duels, we still did that. So the finish was worth it. You know, it's NASCAR having to maintain parity. You know, they threw the caution beforehand. We've seen that mm -hmm. time and time and again where they throw it before they get to the line. They say, oh, the race was over. I think that happened at Talladega. What was it, two years ago, yeah. if I remember correctly? So they need to, you know, people wanted rules parity. This is what we get with rules parity, even if it means we get to do, what, five overtimes? Mm-hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that this has to do with rules parity. I think it's really just about procedure 
And the idea of an overtime line, a quarter or halfway or two-thirds of the way around the track is just sort of dumb. Two-thirds of a green flag lap and ending the race is stupid. Yeah. I, mean, I said it was, it was stupid last year when it happened three or four times. It was just, it, Yeah, it's dumb. So, you know, this, this really corrected the problem. And honestly, yes. did it take a while? Yes. But again, we yes, got a heck did. of a finish. And you know what, Jacob? Kudos to Tyler Reddick because th- they were having issues with that car the all, entire all race. All well, weekend, yeah, really. really. The whole weekend, I mean, they, they had and they had a motor issue all race long. Tyler referenced yeah. it in his victory lane issue that he wasn't sure for a while if it was going to make it all the way to the end. Thankfully, it did, and we got to see the closest finish in NASCAR history at four ten thousandths of a second. For those of you who are math minded, that's point zero 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 four. By the way, with the official margin of victory, which I struggle to call it a margin of victory, as does runner-up Elliot Sadler, Steve, <laughs> is .000, to which Elliot goes, I'm, I'm protesting for a tie. <laughs> yeah, victors. well, uh, that, that's the beauty of electronic timing and scoring, is we can take it down uh, that many digits and that many decimal places. Um what a thriller, though. And, and, and to your guys' point about Tyler Reddick, I think it was Tyler himself that said, man, if you had asked me on lap five, if we were going to be sitting here in victory lane in the closest finish in NASCAR history, I think he would have told you you were crazy. Yeah. I mean, that is what a what a story there for those guys. Uh, Absolutely. To, to, you know, stick with it. And how about it in his first race with Junior Motorsports to give the defending championship team a win, lock them into the playoffs. This is a huge thing as he tries to become the third rookie to win the Xfinity title in that car. And for Sadler, Tom, a bridesmaid again. Yeah, a bridesmaid again. But you know what? Again, you had two Xfinity Series regulars at the top of the order at the end. And after all of that, we already have an Xfinity racer in the playoffs. And as far as I'm concerned, that's nothing but good. Because, hey, we did last year too, Ryan Reed. Well, I know that. But, but in the past, there have been cup drivers. There were a bunch of them in that race and a bunch of them running up front. And, and they a bunch all of wrecked. Them, yeah, and a bunch <laughs> of them being very, very aggressive with blocking and such. Even, you know, after by the end of the first stage, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure that I approve of that message because honestly, you're taking a chance on eliminating a bunch of regulars who are actually going to run for points. Yeah. So my thought is, is I understand they're trying to win too, but you know, at least calm yourself down to a dull roar (laughs) and try not to cause a bunch of wrecks before, you know, 50 to go. Yeah. And you were talking about guys rallying back through the overtimes, uh, I believe it was Garrett Smithley who went for a ride through the infield with like 13 or 10 to go and was 30-something before the first overtime and run his way all the way back through the field to fifth. And, oh, by the way, when you look at that top five, Reddick, Sadler, Reed, Truex, and Smithley. That is regular, 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 regular. Yeah, give uh, some real credit to Ryan Truex his first time in that colleague racing car, but Cisco, yes. Garrett Smithley and Ross Chastain out of that JD Motorsports stable, and Garrett will be joining us in a, a little while here. But those two drivers, both with top 10 finishes, and Joe Nemechek driving their 15 car oh also my gosh. He was ran so up in the top 10, close to the top five before he got wrecked out in one of the big ones, Cisco. 
Yeah, Joe had a really, really good speed weeks this he year. Did. Between the truck race and the Xfinity third, race. yeah, third in the truck race, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm really happy for that. And also, if you want to talk about you know surviving through the overtimes, how about Chase Elliott having to come down pit road in what was oh. one of the greatest pieces yeah. of broadcasting <laughs> in a very long time, where his window side window came out, which of course you can't have that on a plate yeah. track. So the crew guy had to run back to the hauler, and we followed him chopper cam style as he ran back to the pit box with the new window, duct taped it on, and Chase finished in the top 10 still. The crewman that Dale Jr. referred to in the post-race media conference only as Mayo. Yeah. Legitimately. Yeah. Mayo. Mayo. Where's the bananas? <laughs> well, it's ironic because Hellman's was on the car. Oh, well, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, it's... <laughs> It's just interesting uh, the way that race played out. Yeah. And actually, again, some of the drivers who got some glory in that one. Um, but certainly, I think uh, Garrett Smithley, I'm looking forward to talking to him later because that, that was a cool deal. I want to circle back to the Daytona 500 for just a minute. Go uh, do a quick around the table before we go to break because we're going to talk to Harrison Rhodes coming up. But biggest disappointment in the 500 and then biggest surprise in the 500. Just a, a driver name and maybe 10 seconds of explanation. Steve, you start. Wow. I think biggest disappointment for me was, honestly, guys, seeing Danica go out in a crash. I mean, I was really pulling for the seven car to make it to the checkered flag last night just so that she could have that moment going sure. out of NASCAR. Absolutely. Biggest surprise, by the way. Uh, biggest surprise, Austin Dillon winning the race. <laughs> I mean, yes, we, we cannot be surprised about him running up front at a restrictor plate track and, and all of that. But, I mean, guys, who he was 40 to 1 in Vegas. And he wasn't even in the top eight before the overtime. There's that, too. Cisco. My biggest disappointment for the 500, and Chris got all his Logano bias out on Thursday, so I guess I better get my Jimmy Johnson bias out, was Jimmy once again wrecking in the big race, which seems to just be a running theme for that 48 car. Jimmy it's had an win the awful race. speed weeks. Three trash yeah, Jimmy, cars. Uh, it's, I, I just don't, as, as, as someone who's followed him since 02 and everything like that, I just kind of write off Daytona. It's either gonna, he's either going to win the race or he's going to crash, and in this case, it was another crash year. But uh, biggest, biggest, um, biggest surprise for me, other than Austin winning, was um, just how composed and how eloquent Bubba was in his post-race interview. I mean, we knew going into it that he's going to be a media darling this year, and you know he's really underrated in that scenario, but. Despite the fact of how emotional he was, he was still able to get through his yeah. interview in the in the uh, the PR area and just do it so well and have you know be able to convey as many emotions he was bringing. He was you know breaking up even during you know sitting down with the microphones, but he was still able to get out what he wanted to say. Tom, well, I'm not sure Denny Hamlin would agree that uh, Baba was all that eloquent eloquent after uh, the race, but that, yeah, was, we'll a, get that was a different interview, I guess. Yeah. Uh, biggest disappointment for me? Gosh, that's a hard one. I guess I would have to go with the fact that Alex Bowman wasn't able to be around at the finish to yeah, run for he had the a win good car. because I think he had something for them, and it would have been interesting to see what he could have done. Um, biggest surprise for me, honestly, was seeing two JTG Doherty cars 
in the top 10. Chris yes. Buescher getting a solid fifth and A.J. Allmendinger 10th. And also, may I add, Michael McDowell in ninth place for Front Row Motorsports. Awesome. And David Reagan was running really well, too, until he got taken out. So nice to see some of those teams having good runs. Just yes. not all of them have the results to show for it. Biggest disappointment for me was the mid-race accident uh, that we saw Brad Keselowski and Chase Elliott, two of the pre-race favorites and two of the guys who were most dicing it up at the front of the field, not able to be around at the finish. I felt like if you'd had those two, the excitement factor of the last few laps would have been multiplied by yeah. about 10, yeah. but neither of them around at the finish. Biggest surprise for me at the end of the race, honestly, was the fact that Denny Hamlin couldn't close the deal because he was the he should have been the odds-on favorite to make that happen on the final lap, and instead the help wasn't there, and Denny has to wait another year to try to add his name to the Harley J. Earl for a second time. We're going to step aside. When we return, we shift gears to look ahead to Atlanta for a few minutes and talk with a young man who's been on this show before. Harrison Rhodes returns as he gets set to join Rick Ware Racing for this coming weekend's Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back after this on the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. 
When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Cody Coughlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. We're back, and you are listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, and Cisco Scaramuza here at the roundtable, and excited to have our first guest of the evening on to talk about his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut this weekend with Rick Ware Racing. Harrison Rhodes, I got to say that out loud, and I'm sure that sounds really good to you. Can you believe it yet? Man, I tell you what, thank you guys for having me on. I, uh, man, it doesn't even feel real. I'm, uh, I'm so excited. You know, I've, I've been in the Xfinity Series for uh, a little over five years now, so to, uh, to get a, a chance at the cup level is, is uh, pretty incredible. You know, I was watching the Daytona 500 yesterday, and uh, I was just thinking about, man, I'm going to be racing against these guys next week. So, uh, man, it, it really puts it in perspective, so I'm, I'm excited. Talk a little bit about how this opportunity with Rick came together to drive the 51 car for our listening audience, because I know, obviously, uh, for those of us who know you, that's a connection you and Rick have that goes all the way back pretty much to the very beginning of your NASCAR national career. Yeah, absolutely. I made my first start with Rick. Uh, you know, about five years ago at Phoenix, ran my first race with him, and uh, we've, we've, we've maintained a relationship with Rick. I've, I've run on and off for him uh, throughout the years at the Xfinity level. So um, last year when he decided to, uh, to go cup racing full-time, um, we, had, we had some conversations about, about doing some stuff at that point, maybe uh, there towards the end of the year. Um, but I was committed uh, in running with, with Johnny Davis at the time driving the zero one car so we we kind of maintained our uh, our focus there um but you know kind of kept our our opportunities open for this year and and uh the stable was was all full at johnny's for the xfinity so um like i said we just maintained that relationship with rick i was able to uh to find a sponsor for the race and uh we just we kind of put it together you know i think rick's been uh been really good about giving some young people some opportunities um and i think i think rick has a lot of faith in and my abilities and what I can do. So um, hopefully I can go out there and run a clean race, you know, gain some respect and just, uh, and, uh, you know, just try to be successful in my start first start. Harrison, you talk about opportunities that you're being given to run in this race on Sunday, but let's talk about Atlanta. I mean, talk about the opportunities behind the wheels, a driver that this track and surface is going to give you to to kind of show what you can do 
here uh, at the cup level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Atlanta is such a fun track. I love Atlanta. Um, I've had, I've had some pretty good success at Atlanta. Um, I think we've always run, run well there. I think we've had a couple uh, mechanical failures in the past, so the results may not show, but we've always ran strong in Atlanta. It's a, you know, it's a driver's track, you know, it's wore out. Um, it's super fast. So it, it's always a fun one. You know, I'm, I'm glad they decided to, to hold off on repaving it. Um, the drivers really enjoy that, that, uh, that rough style of racing, you know, that the tire wear go, goes away really quick. And, and, uh, like I said, it, it really puts some of the, the driving back into the, the, the hands of the drivers, you know, holding the wheel. So, um, I think it, it's a great place to make a, you know, make a debut for me. Um, a couple things got to get used to with these cars that I haven't had in the Xfinity cars, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're faster. They got more horsepower. You know, I got the digital dash, the adjustable track bar, you know, a couple other little things, but, um, but I think I'll be able to adapt. Um, we actually don't have a ton of practice, uh, this weekend, you know, and I guess they usually have around three, but there's just two this weekend. So, um, I'm just hoping the, the rain and the weather will hold off and that we'll have a, a pretty weekend for me to go out there and, and get all the laps I can. Well, we know that Friday and Saturday are looking great right now, and we're hoping that Sunday looks better as we get through the week, Harrison. But uh, obviously known you a long, long time since your days in the Legends cars, and after all, you're finally getting to make your Cup debut. Uh, This is something that I'm sure has been on your mind that entire period of time. And now that it's here, I mean, is this something that seems real to you at this point, or will it not seem real until you actually get in the car and hit the track? Yeah, you know, I, I I thought about it about you know when I'm going to get to to make my my debut or if I ever will. You know, yep. I, I've, I've always wanted to run at this level. So, um, kind of like like I said earlier, you know, I was watching. You know, when I when uh, me and Rick finally you know discussed and, and found out I was going to be driving the car. You know, I, obviously I was excited, pumped up, um, but but I don't think it really hit me till till yesterday watching the race and you know like uh, getting into the 500 and everything that was going on. And then, you know, like I said, really just putting it in perspective where I was like, man, I'm going to be racing against these guys next week. And I'm going to be racing against, you know, champions of our sport, the best there is. Uh, And I've raced against most of them. You know, a lot of them run the Xfinity Series here and there. So there's there's not many I haven't raced against. Uh, But I think it's just the persona of it being the Cup Series and and the Sunday race. And, and, you know, the races are twice as long. So um, it's definitely a, a step up. Um, and you know, I think the cars are harder to drive and, and, uh, but a lot more fun. So, um, I, like I said, I, you know, I think when I show up and I'm walking on the cup garage and, and I'm there, I think then it's going to, it's going to hit me. Uh, Harrison, you know, speaking of the cars, you're going to be one of the first people to, uh, to pilot one of those brand new, uh, Chevy Camaro ZL ones. Have you gotten a chance to, uh, to mess around with it at all? And what's kind of your initial impressions on the car? Yeah, man, I, I think they're beautiful. I mean, I'm I'm already a uh, uh, a little biased towards Camaros. I have one as uh, as one of my personal cars. I have a 2011 Camaro SS that's uh, blacked out and lowered, and it it looks like looks and sounds like a race car itself. So I think the uh, the move to the ZL1 was a was a really good one. I think they look awesome. You know, I think they've uh, been driving well. You know, they they finished top two in the Daytona 500. So um i'm excited about it they got it they're building a brand new car they've never run before brand new chassis um this is one of the, one of their cars they're running um so they're they're getting the, the final touches on it getting it wrapped and and all that so i was actually at the shop today getting some 
some uh, stuff there in the driver's cockpit fitted up. Um, going back tomorrow to finalize some stuff, but but man, the car is just. I mean, it's just mean looking. It looks awesome, so I, I'm I'm really pumped up. Yeah, they're sweet. That's great. I've heard a few of those kind of descriptors thrown around from the guys when they first unveiled the new ZL1 back uh, before the start of the season. Yeah. So uh, Harrison's right there with them. Uh, going into this weekend, obviously, it's a tall step from where you've been in the Xfinity Series to making your cup debut, Harrison. How do you manage that mentally this week, and what do you feel like for you and Rick? Uh, have you guys talked about what realistic goals are for this team this weekend? Um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't talked to Rick this week. He was he was getting back from uh, from Florida today, so um, I'm sure we'll talk tomorrow. But but I was able to have a, a pretty good long conversation with the crew chief uh, today, and and he was able to you know fill me in on a lot about the rules of the cars and and just overall um, you know set up adjustments and just just things that make the the series different from the Xfinity cars. So I uh, got a little bit of an education today, and, and you know put some things there in the my mental notes, but, um, you know, overall, I, I think I've been, um, pretty, pretty good with taking care of equipment. So, you know, I know my personal goals are to go out there and, and feel it out. You know, I don't want to go do something stupid. You know, like I said, these guys are building a brand new car. So the last thing I want to do is go, go tear it up in a practice session or something. So, um, I think the smart thing to do is just to go out and, and uh, kind of manage my risk, go out, get, get all I can out of the car, make the proper adjustments, um, and then kind of go from there, put myself in smart situations. So, um, you know, as far as setting a, uh, a goal on where I want to finish, I mean, you could, you can set any goal you want, but I mean, I want to finish as high up as possible, you know, try to stay in the lead lap as long as you can keep yourself in a position to be successful. So, um, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of the goal, try to stay out of trouble, um, you know, manage my risk on the track and then, and then just put ourselves in good situations. Well, I know this good situation wouldn't be possible without a lot of good people and some uh, good sponsor backers to help you get to the racetrack, Harrison. Uh, give some shout-outs to the people and the supporters that are making this possible for you this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So there, There's a guy named Ken out of Sanford, North Carolina. He owns a, a construction uh, business called Industrial Construction Experts. So um, so he's the, uh, he's the guy this weekend. We're going to be having a great time with him and his guests and uh and and you know we're gonna provide a first class experience for them i think this is one of their first times coming in the pits and hanging out with us so um excited to, to introduce them to the sport in a new level um and also get their brand out there so um they're going to be uh one of the main sponsors on the car i think there's going to be another one announced soon um that that's more that rick is bringing along so um, should have that announcement here in the next day or so, but but really excited to have their support, and uh, you know hopefully things will go well and we can uh, do some more in the future. I know for all the time that uh, Tom and I have known you, uh, how hard you've worked to make this step, and uh, now that it's here, I think uh, we speak for a lot of people when we say we couldn't be more excited for you, Harrison. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us tonight, and man, can't wait to see you at the track this weekend at Atlanta. I know it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, we and my, me and my dad, we, we do a lot of the, uh, the sponsorship hunting ourselves. So we're, uh, we're at it a lot of the day and you get told no a lot, but, uh, but the guesses make it sweet. So to get the news that I was going to run this weekend and, and to really put it together was, was a big fist pumping yes moment. So, uh, so, uh, no, like I said, I'm excited. Thank you guys for allowing me to come on the show and, 
and talk about it. And thanks for your support. And uh, hopefully we can go uh, go put on a successful weekend and have a lot of fun doing it. We know that's the goal. That's Harrison Rhodes, who will make his cup debut for Rick Ware Racing in the 51 Chevrolet this Sunday in the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta. We're going to step aside. On the other side of this, we talk a little bit more speed weeks regarding the Daytona 500. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back in a moment here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct, it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, there's somebody we can talk about during this segment as yeah. we come back to Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, and Cisco Scaramuza here during the first half of tonight's program. And Steve-O, uh, I believe William Byron brought us back from break, so we ought to talk about William Byron for a moment because he did a really good job of sneaking through one of the big ones on Sunday during the 500. Unfortunately, uh, not the ending to the day that he wanted. His spin with 10 laps to go was actually uh, the catalyst for all the insanity that ensued in the final laps and then uh, getting us into overtime. But how do you rate the poise with which he drove most of that race on Sunday? 
I think overall, Jacob, I, I would give it a B minus. I think if I was going to put a letter grade on it. Okay. Uh, I, and the reason I say this is he did do a great job avoiding uh, that that incident uh, where where they were piling them all up. But you know, I think there were some there were some instances. Uh, you know, the the first time that he got into the wall. You know, I think those are things that are just going to come. You know, a car was uh, coming up right in front of him, kind of pulling off a slide job at, T- at Daytona. So, you know, I think those are things that will come. I mean, we have to remember this was his first cup race. So um, I think there's it's only going to get better from here. Cisco, looking at the way this Daytona 500 played out, uh, the second half before the big one, I think we all really, really believed that the Menards number 12 and Ryan Blaney, or at least I believed, was the favorite to win that race. I mean, that car was absolutely dominant during the last, really, two-thirds of the event. But I feel like this was expected, don't you? I mean, he goes from the Wood Brothers to a House Penske car and basically comes out and kicks everybody in the rear and says, hey, here I am. Look at me. I mean, I feel like we're going to see great things to come out of that team very, very, very quickly. Yeah, if you were worried that, you know, the 12 car wasn't going to be up to Penske's normal standards, well, there you go. Go watch Daytona for that. Blaney, you know, Blaney has no rust whatsoever from the offseason from what I saw. And that team, you know, just went out and did exactly what Penske does go out and be very, 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 very fast. So it's, you know, it's a new number, but for me, it's just like, Oh, it's just, you know, the wood brothers just moved that car over and now they have a new team. It almost feels like for me with Paul Menard, Tom and I, Cisco makes a point there too. That for me was one of the bigger, not the biggest, but one of the bigger surprises of this Daytona 500 was how competitive Paul Menard was able to be and how consistent he was able to be the entire speed weeks. I mean, we've seen him be okay on the plate tracks in an RCR car in the past, but I feel like he was another one who came out with a new team, gelled with them pretty quickly, and this could be the start of something really solid for them, I think. Well, I mean, I don't know if I was surprised I was happy to see it, but I think I've stated a few times on this show that there's no excuse this year for Paul Menard. No. I mean, it, it, not that I necessarily personally feel there was before. I mean, he's always been in, I think he's always been in good equipment and he's always done well, but mm-hmm. I think this is the year we find out if Paul Menard's a championship caliber driver. Now, obviously one race is not a year long uh, season make but um he certainly did very well and I, w- I was happy to see it and it was kind yes. of it was interesting to me that it could have wound up with the Menards car beating out Paul Menard who wasn't a Menards car yeah. at Daytona it was sort of strange <laughs> yeah. trying to keep track of uh all of that but yeah I, I think Blaney's going to be a championship contender and I think Paul Menard if he gets the most out of the equipment he obviously will too or as Ryan Blaney said on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, 
Paul's driving my car, and I'm driving Paul's car, and it's all really confusing, and my head is spinning, and I need a scorecard to keep track of all this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think this is going to be interesting to see how – how Paul can perform, yeah. you know, over a, a series of races in this car. Yeah, definitely. And for the most part, the other thing, Steve, that really stuck out to me, not just from looking at the box score, but really going back and thinking about it, was honestly how dreadful a Speed Weeks as a whole was for the Toyota camp. I mean, it was just bad. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, oh no, it, and but you do get Denny Hamlin who finishes third, so so there is that bright spot. Yes, coming out of the five hundred. But boy, once you get past that, yikes! I mean, there was one point in that race where Martin Truex Jr. was leading while everybody else pitted, and and you're thinking to yourself, okay. Maybe the Truex camp is going to pick up right where they left off in Homestead, going after those stage points, going to be a contender for the win. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for him that way. But mm -hmm. yeah, not not the best of days for the Toyota camp at all. Not at all. We'll talk more about the Daytona 500 coming up in the second hour. Right now, I want to transition to the truck series. Since coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to have the top two in the truck series season opening race from Daytona joining us live on the air. So, Tom, I'll start with you impressions from Friday night's truck race. My first impression was, dang, the old guys still got it, referring to David Gilliland, who, if it wasn't from a bump from his teammate at the wrong spot in the closing laps, I honestly believe probably would have won that truck race. I thought you were going to talk about Joe Nemechek, who finished third. Well, I could have said that, too, but <laughs> Gilliland was the first one that came to my mind just because he put a whooping on him for most well, of that and night. Well, and again, I mean, gosh... I would expect that in a Kyle Busch truck. Um, you know, David's experience plus that kind of equipment should equal a front-running truck in a truck race, especially at Daytona. Um, you know, I, I think that David did a great job. It's kind of unfortunate that he wasn't around at the end to really make the run for the win. But, mm -hmm. you know, then you had that other aging veteran Johnny Sauter that ends up winning the race. But hang, hang on a minute. Don't say that now and get it over with before I we did aging veteran. I, I think, I think Johnny would be okay with that. I didn't call Maybe. him. Maybe, <laughs> um, you know, but you had, you know, you had guys, I mean, Matt Crafton, you had a lot of the veterans had issues in that race. Yeah. You know, Nima Jack was, was a pleasant surprise at the end to see Joe up there and doing such a neat job. You know, that was, that was again, a really, really, really good race, I thought. It was. Absolutely, it was. Cisco, I want to come to you for the big storyline that was talked about all day on Friday of Speed Weeks, and that was the OEM, or Original Equipment Manufacturer, engines versus the new NT1 spec engines from Ilmore that are similar to the Arca spec engines that they introduced a year or so ago. Thoughts on the comparison between the two? Um, I need to see something other than a plate track. Fair enough. Is it telling, do you think, that we had 26 of 36 trucks who tried to qualify that had the spec motor? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it goes back to what we've to a point we've made on the show over and over again that uh, spec motors are the future, guys. Welcome, wel- welcome to the new truck series. You know, we have to we have to find a way to cut down the cost for guys to run in this. That's probably going to be the best way to do it. So, and they talked Tom a lot during the Fox broadcast or FS1 broadcast rather about how the spec motors are going to help contain a lot of the costs. You don't have to rebuild them as much. They cost less than the OEM motors. So in the long haul, and I saw a lot of positivity from the drivers on social media that they think this is going to be a really good thing to help bridge that cost gap between the smaller teams and the bigger teams. Well, they need to do something because, again, when you look at it, okay, it's Daytona, and, yeah, we had, what, 36 Trucks, I'm not... 36 for 32 spots. Yeah, I'm not so sure we sustain that going forward, but maybe. Um, That's what I'm waiting to see is how many of these teams can actually run the full season because I think the engines are certainly fantastic, and I think that's going to be a big help. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think when you look at travel costs and engineering and all of that, I mean, I just think think that should be considered the start Mm -hmm. rather than the only thing that, that gets done. We'll see where Ben Kennedy takes this series over time because I do think yes. he's the right guy. Absolutely. I will uh, say as we get set to go to break, I was thrilled to see Ben on pit road, all the interaction that he had between social and with the fans that you saw on the broadcast. I think Ben Kennedy is going to have a lot to say and a lot of good to do in the truck series yep. going forward. I'm really happy to see NASCAR make that step and uh, put him in that general manager position. We're going to step aside. On the other side of this, our halftime break will be over, and we'll hear from the runner-up in Friday night's Next Year Energy Resources 250 as Justin Haley from GMS Racing joins us live. You're listening to Motorsports Madness back after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. 
Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. In the segment where we keep a promise that we made last Thursday here on this very network because, well, Justin Haley's back with us. We said if he ran well at Daytona on Friday night, he had license to come back on this show and on this network to do it all over again. That's exactly what we're going to do as we start the second hour of Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, and joined now by Chris Murdoch in one of our analyst chairs, as well as via the Race Chaser phone line, the man himself, Justin Haley. Congratulations, sir. We made good on our promise, and you made good on yours by running well enough to get back on here. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to have to just keep this promise thing up and uh, hopefully <laughs> do 23 weeks in a row, huh? There we go. <laughs> just make you a permanent co-host. <laughs> I think he'd have too yeah, much fun with that. Yeah, y'all would get sick of me real quick. <laughs> nah, not at all. Congratulations on a great run. That must have felt really good. I know you were out there to win, but doggone, if you're going to finish second, finishing second to Johnny Sauter, uh, a champion and a veteran of the series. And his has, teammate. And the teammate, exactly, has to be certainly better than uh, maybe finishing second to someone else. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. With, uh, you know, three laps to go, I, I uh, got a – communication on the radio from uh one of the higher ups at gms that uh told me that either me or johnny had to win it so uh <laughs> i guess we kept their promise but uh you know that's a lot of pressure when uh, someone comes on the radio and says look you know uh you or johnny have to win this and and um you know we had a lot of chevys up there i'm i'm really proud to get a chevy in victory lane you know they swept all weekend all, all three divisions so um, having their support this year and, and last year has, has been a lot, so it's really cool um, to get that because even even before Daytona, you know, weeks in advance, we sat down with Chevy and, and talked about what we needed out of uh, the trucks and engineering side to go to Victory Lane there, and, and it paid off. Now, 
Take us back to those final laps because within uh, 10 or 12 to go, you were actually leading this party, and then they kind of shuffled you out for a few laps before you could settle in line right behind Johnny. What was that counting down towards the finish like from the driver's seat? Because I know how it looked on TV, and it was a little sketchy. Yeah, I mean, I mean super speed racing is always, you know, on the edge of your seat, you know, just uh, nail-biting and, we uh we actually got pushed up front by Scott Legacy there with probably 17 to 20 laps ago. I'm not really sure. We had that caution and uh, we were lined up on the high side and Johnny was actually third. David Gillen was first and Scott gave me a heck of a push down the back stretch. We got the lead. Caution came right back out and, and that was really a, a hard decision for me. I was in the lead. I didn't know who to have behind me. Um, the high side had been rolling all night and and Spencer Davis would have been behind me and the low side. I uh, was struggling, but I had Scott Legacy who just pushed me to lead behind me. So it, it was really a tough decision for me. And, and um, you know, everyone on, on my radio communication said, you know, go high, <laughs> go yeah. high, go high, and I went low. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it paid off. I got the lead. Um, you know, we side-drafted David really hard for a few laps. And then uh, as the laps started counting down, the, the high side finally got a run. And uh, I went to go block David, and I successfully blocked him, but he just never let out of gas. And, um, you know, it wasn't intentional, but, you know, I about wrecked my truck just because he uh, he didn't lift. And I bobbled, got shuffled back, and then and then obviously we rallied to a second-place finish. So uh, it was a really good night. And, you know, Justin, we, we flash back towards a year. You've, you joined GMS full-time but you weren't able to run the first two races due to that pesky, you know, age limit there. So you missed out on Daytona and Atlanta to come back the following year, get the runner up finish at Daytona. How pumped did that make you and how excited are you looking forward to Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, it's for sure. You know, all last year, you know, everyone kept telling me after the chase was over, after the championship, all I heard all off season was, you know, uh, if we would have just ran Daytona Atlanta, we would have made the chase. I looked at him, I said, well, if we would have won a race, we would have made the chase. So, uh, you know, it, it was tough last year, and, and you know, I was getting my uh, feet feet wet at GMS, and, um, you know, we really started taking off towards the late of the season, and then we had some uh, some crew change towards the, the new year, um, you know, and showing my new mechanics and uh, my new tire guy, my new interior guy that uh, – what we're working with that we're a championship caliber team that, that we don't mean uh, anything but business uh, meant a lot. And obviously it got, um, you know, Maury Gallagher pumped up, got Spencer, Mike Beam, everyone was pretty pumped up for GMS one, two. So um, what a better way to start the, the season than that. By the way, Tom, just to give Justin a little flack here, I counted in that last paragraph, $3 that he owes us for all the times he said chase instead of playoff. Uh Oh, well, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, they changed. I mean, the Elmore engines are, uh, you know, they've gone through six or seven name changes as well. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I mean, let, they let's... just changed names. I mean, is the truck series even truck series anymore? I mean, <laughs> it's hard to keep up updated with all this when you're just focused on going out there and winning. Listen to this kid. He says, I don't care about names. I'm just the driver. That's right. Well, speaking of being just the driver, Justin, I want to get your perspective on this because – Obviously, there was a little bit of controversy yesterday, and I don't want to focus specifically on 
that race and those drivers and that last lap. I want to talk. I want you to talk to us in general about, from the driver's perspective, the idea of blocking, the idea of you know how all that plays out. I mean, it just feels to me like there's that certain point, and you talked about it with David. You threw the block, and he just didn't lift. I mean, when you're out there running it you know, 190, 200 miles an hour, whatever it is, and you're drafting and you're inches apart, and in some cases two and three wide, if you're going to throw a block, don't you kind of have to expect that the guy behind you might not be able to lift at that point? Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's a, there's a lot that goes into the super speed racing, and, um, you know, you make an aggressive move to throw a block to keep the lead, and, and the guy behind you makes an aggressive move. You know, it's... Uh, it's kind of up in the air, and it's all situational, really. And um, you know, I feel like if I was in David's position, I, I probably would have lifted because we still had ten laps to go. But you know, everyone's their their own driver, and um, you know, it shuffled me out of line. So um, you know, obviously, it worked in his advantage. So uh, you know, it's really hard to tell. You know, there's there's so many situations, and it it's really you know, comes down to that last moment of thinking, you know, it all happens so quickly. And, you know, if you're a true gentleman racer, um, you know, you're going to make the, the smart decision and, and whatever that smart decision is, uh, it's not going to put anyone in danger or, um, I usually wreck anyone, but you know, you have to be aggressive and, uh, that's what NASCAR wants. And that's what the new generation of racers, um, we're all doing. We're just aggressive and, and it gets good finishes. It gets good racing. And, um, especially with the end of the stages. Now we're so aggressive, um, just trying to get stage points. I mean, I know I, I put it three wide several times trying to get uh, a stage point in, in stage one. So, um, you know, it's really hard to tell. Steve, I think uh, <laughs> I think David Gilliland will be pleased that Justin claimed him as being part of the new generation of racers who were being aggressive there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't sure. know. Um <laughs> I mean, his son is. I mean, right? I only had to race him once, so <laughs> I, I should have just said the four truck. Well, no, I'm sure David will be happy that you, you made him young again. You know, I mean, you get to a certain age. I mean, I'm there, too. You just, you like you like any compliment that says you're younger than, you know, you act younger than you are, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's when it turns around. You know, I like people saying I'm older than I am now, so yeah. eventually I'll, I'll want that to turn around. <laughs> Justin, I want to turn attention now to Atlanta, where, where you're headed this weekend. Uh, you guys tested at Charlotte. You felt really good about that test. But Atlanta is just its own animal, that surface. Being a, you know, Harrison just talking to us about that being such a driver's track. Uh, being that you come off a second place run, you really got to be looking forward to Atlanta this weekend. Yeah, Atlanta's uh, a track that I've always looked forward to. And and I've always sat at that race um, for three or four years now. Uh, I had either a truck in the race or I was part of a team that had a truck in the race. Um, so last year I had Alex Bowman, and, and he got us some really valuable data and notes. NASCAR lets us use some uh, data in the cars and get the throttle feedback and steering feedback and, and shocks and uh, splitter travel and stuff like that. So all today, uh, me and my crew chief, Kevin Belcourt, looked at that stuff and really dug deep into it we watched in-car film and um i've been to the chevy sim uh a few times we we did atlanta and we've done fall off so um 
You know, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, the only track on the schedule I've not been at. Uh, so getting there, unloading, um, it's going to be fast right off the trailer. I know that. It's uh, going to be wide open for the first few laps, and obviously the tire's going to get away. So, um, you know, I'll tell you after this, uh, after this week how, how it goes. I know for you, obviously, it helps, too, not to be in a points hole going into this weekend. So really quickly, uh, are you thinking playoffs yet, Justin, or is this one of those where you just want to go out and win and uh, let that be the thing that takes care of it? Man, I was thinking playoffs like <laughs> three months ago. <laughs> um, I mean, as soon as Homestead ended, it was like playoffs. So, um that I guess that that's all that's on your mind anymore right. is is the playoffs. You know, it's it's so important and so different. You know, if it would have been the old points way of doing things, you know, we would still we'd be real in really good shape mm-hmm. because you you know you, you dig yourself a hole at Daytona, you can just rebound now. And thankfully, we don't have a hole, and we got some stage points, and obviously we got that good finish. So mm-hmm. um, going to Atlanta, it's uh, a lot a lot of pressure off my shoulders, but um, a lot of pressure to win as well. Absolutely. By the way, you know coming up in our next segment, uh, your teammate who won the race is going to be on here. So I'm going to see how he reacts when I tell him that you gave away his eating secrets last Thursday. That's fine. I mean, we, we go back and forth uh, <laughs> quite a bit. He'll probably diss on me for eating so healthy. So, um <laughs> Either way. Always fun to have you on here. That's Justin Haley, uh, and thanks to GMS for helping us set up this half hour of the show because coming up in a moment, you're going to hear from the Daytona Truck Series winner. Johnny Sauter joins us right after this. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you.
Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. <laughs> All right. I can appreciate the party music because uh, I'm sure GMS Racing was doing a lot of that on Friday night after the checkered flag had fallen. I'll have you know, Austin Dillon may have dabbed, but we were dippling. Fair enough. Yes. Anyway, welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, and Chris Murdoch. And joined now uh, for the first time on this show, but he won the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season opener Friday night at Daytona International Speedway. Thanks to GMS for helping make this possible. And Johnny Sauter, congratulations on a great win, and thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to talk to us tonight. I know a third win at Daytona in a truck huge for you <laughs> well yeah I, first of all i appreciate you guys having me on but uh yeah you know it's um you know restrictor plate racing is is tough and um you know a lot of things have to kind of go your way so um to win it once is pretty special to win it twice is pretty awesome to win it three times is just incredible so um obviously you know, got a good group of guys. Everybody at GMS did a great job preparing a good truck over the winter. And, um, you know, we got our Allegiant Chevy and Victory Lane. So um, it's a good way to start off a new season. And, and uh, couldn't be more proud of the effort from everybody. It was uh, That was a lot of fun. There's a lot of guys who have set a lot of records in the truck series. Hornaday comes to mind. Crafton comes to mind. Your name is entering the conversation now in a lot of categories. But Friday night, you became the first driver in the truck series to win three times at Daytona. I mean, how special is it to be able to sit alone at the top of a win list at the World Center of Racing with all the history that it has in the sport? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, it's just... You know, if, there, if there's one racetrack you want to win at, it's it's Daytona. So, um, obvious, for obvious reasons, it's, uh, you know, the biggest race of the year in a lot of ways for, for us. So, um, this kind of gets the season kicked off. And, and uh, we all know the history, obviously, of Daytona and just through the years watching, you know, the Daytona 500 as a kid. And um, just having the opportunity to race at that racetrack is something, uh, let alone being able to pull into victory lane. So, um, yeah, it's it's remarkable. Um, been very, very fortunate to uh if you have any equipment good enough to to get me to victory lane there so um you know i'd like to sit here and, and tell you that you know i knew exactly what i was doing every time i won there <laughs> but you know it's, it's a combination of a lot of things and um equipment is number one number two is, is obviously being aware of, of what's going on but um you know just being at the right place at the right time is is the key and um for whatever reason uh i've been pretty good at that so <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, what a what a remarkable deal. Um, you know, just I love that racetrack, and and uh, it's just super cool to win it. I don't even know exactly how to put it into words yet, but uh, you know, it's just it's pretty special, and uh, it's something I'll never forget. That's for sure. Take us back to the final laps because the intensity level, especially after the crash that uh, John Hunter uh, had where it uh, took out kind of the middle portion of the field and really shook things up. I mean, what was the intensity level like coming down towards the end of that? And then you and Gilliland had that battle for the lead there about 10 to go, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, this is either going to be really good for somebody or it's about to be really big. It was uh... – <laughs> All those things, it's, it's that that race in particular is just always, um, you know, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. I, I, I guess I don't really know what it's like for the fans, but I, I know what it's like for me. And um, the whole time you're just anticipating, you know, just trying to stay out of trouble. And, and uh, you know, if you can do that, you're going to have a pretty solid night. So, um, you know, I, I sit back and I go through the first part of the race. I felt like everything was pretty calm for the first stage. And the second stage was decently calm and uh you know the third stage i felt like you know the way things jumbled around we elected to take four tires at the beginning of that and uh four tires of fuel because it's kind of a long stretch to the end so um we felt handling was going to be somewhat important and um you know we i think we restarted 11th or so and um found ourselves chipping away uh you know just trying to get back to the front and you mentioned Nemechek's deal. I think we were literally just about to go around the outside of him before that happened, getting into turn three or really close to it. So um, I can remember a piece of debris flying off of his truck, and, and I could hear it hit my truck. So, um, But, yeah, just crazy how those races play out. So many things happen, and you make so many moves throughout the course of the race. And, um, you know, you, you kind of you forget. You know, you forget a lot of the things that you did in that race to get you where you were. So, um Having said that, uh, at the end of the race, you, you mentioned the battle with Gil Land, and I just got a really good run and popped up to the top and um, had my teammate, J.J. Uh, Haley, not too far behind. So I felt like we were in good shape over those last seven or eight laps when we were leading, and uh, J.J. was running third. Um, I was confident that he wasn't going to give uh, the 20 truck enough of a push to get by us. So worked out well for us and uh, got another win. And I want to talk about your relationship with JJ. You know, you've had the full-time season to work with him, Johnny, and now getting into a few tracks that he hasn't run. You know, you went ran Daytona, and now he's going to Atlanta. You know, how much have you? You know, how much has he leaned on you? What's the relationship between been like between you and JJ? You know, anymore these young guys, they they have a lot of tools at their disposal. Um, you know, simulators and um, you know things like that, stuff that really wasn't around a lot when I was, you know, coming up. So, um, I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you that, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I can tell them everything they need to know, but I honestly believe that they have a really good, uh, really good idea of, of where they need to be before they ever even get there. Um, you know, just through technology and things like that. So, um, obviously if they have questions, uh, we talk after every practice, um, you know, all of us drivers, I mean, there's five teams at GMS. So, um, you know, and, and obviously I was a teammate with JJ, so I know him a lot better than I do even some of the new teammates like Cody Coughlin and uh, Dalton Sargent. So um, having said that, Stuart Friesen, we have a lot of guys on our team. So, um, But uh, it's, it's cool. It's an interesting mix, and, and I get asked this question a lot. You know, you know, they're always coming to you, but I'll be honest with you, I go to those guys just as much um, for information. I, I feel like, you know, you're never too, learn, never too old to learn something new. So 
Um, but it, it's good. I mean, try to work with the, all your teammates as best you can because at the end of the day, that's that's what we're here for is to try to win races and um, do it as a team. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. we got drivers from all different makes and of life and different backgrounds. So, um, But it, it's it's cool. And, uh, you know, those young guys got a lot of pressure on them to, to get where they want to be in a, in a hurry. So um, I don't envy that at all. Yeah, and – you know, time flies when you're having fun because it doesn't feel like that long ago that you were one of the young guys, you know, 2009 Rookie of the Year, getting all that, uh, then three wins at Daytona now, the, the the championship, you know, just how has the ride been for you, Johnny? Where are you sitting at right now? And, and you know, how happy are you with how your career has been so far? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you can make a case um... – <laughs> You know, looking back on my career, there's a lot of things that you think you could do differently or wish you had done differently. And um, I think anybody that says they don't have any regrets, or, or not regrets, but things that you maybe wish you had handled differently or done differently, of course, the, there's those days. But uh, for the most part, the Truck Series has, has been tremendous for me. Um, you know, it's a place where, you know, I've, I've been able to go week in, week out and, and be competitive and ultimately, you know, race for wins and a champion in championships. So, um, to me, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's not just being there and, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in cup and I'm, I'm running towards the back or whatever. It, to me, it's about being competitive. And um, the Truck Series has been a great platform for me to, to be able to try to do that. And uh, so I'm very thankful to, uh, to have been a part of the Truck Series and to continue doing what we're doing and, uh, you know, try to try to get to that 20 win mark here in, in the next couple of races. That would be pretty special. But um you know it's it's been good and uh you know I, i've been very fortunate to have had the career um you know last as long as it has there's a lot of guys that i've seen come and go so um we're still here and and like i said competing for wins so i couldn't be happier you mentioned uh, justin and the dynamic between the two of you a couple of minutes ago johnny he was on the show uh with us last week thursday and he uh, gave away a few secrets about your race day eating habits mentioned something about twinkies last thursday <laughs> well i'll tell you what um you know i never claim to be uh, mr fitness so uh, <laughs> i'm gonna eat what tastes good and uh <laughs> i'll leave the you know chicken breasts and all the healthy stuff to everybody else uh, that uh, wants to eat that kind of stuff by all means do what you want to do but uh you know i'm just uh you know like i said i'm gonna eat what tastes good and and i don't feel like it's hurting my performance <laughs> at all so um yeah but he, he's not supposed to do that i'm gonna have to get him for that one. <laughs> <laughs> steve i think he's on the tony stewart diet along with the rest of us although tony looks pretty fit now Guys, yeah, left, I think side I think left side percentage. Left side percentage, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, Johnny, I just we you talked about these teammates that you've got to work with and, and one of them in particular, uh, I had the privilege of, of seeing fly around the dirt up here in the northeast, and that's Stuart Friesen. Um, I just I'm curious, you know, you know, he is uh, is a new talent to the truck series and, and just how has uh, such a, a green driver from the truck side of things, you know, how, how is that gone? Because that brings a whole new perspective to GMS. Well, I'll tell you, I, I respect Stuart a lot too. Um, you know, and I, and I feel like, you know, he obviously doesn't have an asphalt background like I do, but, um, he's a short track racer and, and, uh, 
you know, he, he's worked a lot on his own stuff. So I, I respect the hell out of that a lot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of talent and I look for him to, uh, to continue to get better. I feel like he, once he joined the GMS camp, he really, you know, <laughs> he went from, you know, struggling and, and, and not running well to running in the top five, top 10. So, um, I definitely think he's going to be a guy that I'm contending with for, for wins throughout the course of the year. Um, I'm not going to be contending with him at Eldora because I don't have a snowball's chance at winning that race, but <laughs> he does. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't know. I, I definitely see down the road here, um, GMS trucks battling it out for wins. That's, that's what was so funny about all this, but, um, Stewart's obviously got a lot of talent, won a lot of races and, uh, I'd look to, for him to, you know, once a racer, um, does that kind of stuff. There's no, there's no reason that he won't be able to do that at the truck series level. So, um, I look for him to be pretty tough coming on. Johnny, you say you don't have a snowball's chance of winning at Eldora, but you must enjoy running that dirt track race with the, with the track rag. I mean, that just seems like it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> uh, no comment. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, it, it's, um, it's a challenge for me. Um, you know, growing up the way that I did, uh, you know, we never really even gave dirt racing a thought. I'll just be honest with you. Um, you know, it was, you know, even where I live now in, in Wisconsin within two, two and a half hours, I can probably get to eight to 10, you know, paved short tracks that, right. you know, you can sure. race at any given night. So, um, dirt racing just wasn't something that was at the top of my priority list. So, um, when they said we were going to Eldora, I was like, oh, well, this will be interesting. And, and come to find out, it hasn't been very interesting for me. <laughs> so, um, and, and to be completely honest with you, I haven't ran terrible, but I just it seems like something always goes wrong. Last year we got a hole in the radiator and mm-hmm. spent six laps behind the wall replacing that. And, and uh, you know, just I try to go there and mind my own business and, and can probably pull sixth or seventh place finishes out of there, and I just never get them. So, um but I, I just, I'm at a point in my career where I, I just, uh, for one race a year, I don't know how much, you know, how much effort a guy should really put into trying to, to be great at it. But um, it would, uh, it's a place that I really want to run well at. I just don't really know how to go about it if you want to know the truth. Fair enough. Now, Johnny, a couple years ago when you made the change from Thor Sport to GMS, a lot of people got their eyes really wide and said, what is he doing? But you've proved over the last two years now that not only has that change been beneficial, but you've really helped to grow this team into what it is. I mean, what does that mean to you? Uh, how, how have you watched this team really blossom in the truck series over the last couple of years? Well, I mean, I go back to the first time that uh, the phone rang and it was Mike Beam. Um, and obviously everybody knows the history of Mike Beam and, and his successes in the sport, um, yep. you know, in the, in the sprint cup level and, and beyond. So, um, when he first called me and, and, you know, I remember the conversation and said, you need to get on a plane and fly to Las Vegas and, and meet with the Gallagher family. And sure enough, I go out to there and, and Spencer picks me up at the airport and the radio is so loud. I can't hardly hear. So <laughs> I said, listen, we got to turn this down so we can talk. So, um, but you know, Mr. Gallagher invited me into his home and, um, you know, Mr. and Mrs. at Gallagher and, um, cooked on the grill and, and told me what their goals were and where they wanted to be as an organization. And, um, I was, boy, this is pretty awesome. So the first time I checked out the race shop, I was like, this is a program that has the makings of being something super successful. So, um, you know, obviously great equipment and, and all that is great, but it's, it all comes down to people. So, 
Um, I think the Gallagher's are committed to, to kicking butt for a long time, and obviously Mike Beam is the most competitive guy I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, all the people at the shop, you know, just a lot of great people working at GMS. And uh, when I saw all that, um, I said, absolutely. And, and to top it all off, it was a Chevrolet team, and I've been a Chevy guy my whole life. So um, it just made sense to, to give it a whirl, and uh, sure, I'm glad that I did that. Well, I I know the championship is definitely a testament to that, and now uh, two Daytona wins in the last three years is a testament to that, Johnny. Uh, again, want to say a huge thanks uh, for taking a few minutes to come on and chat with us tonight, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing how you do this weekend in Atlanta. We'll be down there, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Well, I sure appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, Atlanta should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to slipping and sliding around a little bit, so um, hopefully we'll... We'll be talking again real soon. Yes, sir. That is Johnny Sauter, and we are going to step aside when we return. We're making nothing something. Garrett Smithley from JD Motorsports joins us live after a top five in the Xfinity Series at Daytona. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. 
But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet for JD Motorsports, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Oh, jeez. He's a legend in his own mind, isn't he? And you know what that means. That, <laughs> that, that, that is means the universal signal for it's time to talk about nothing. <laughs> That is absolutely right. Okay, nothing, a.k.a. Garrett Smithley, you're back. Well, I wasn't ready for that. I, like, heard my own voice. That was, like, radioception right there. I don't know what was going on. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you were in the building with us, we could have just had you do it live instead of pulling up the recording. But instead, Uh, you're on a 24 I, I I know I did that like in one take, but I know I would have messed something up <laughs> if I didn't lie. <laughs> uh, well, the only reason you're not in this building with us is because you're on a 24-hour turnaround to Atlanta after playing, hey, let's go shock the world and get a top five at Daytona. You and I talked on the way on your way home last night about what this meant, but for the listeners out there that haven't had a chance to hear you or may not have watched Saturday's race, talk us through that and what this does mean for JD Motorsports, because I know this is about everything you could have asked for out of out of Saturday. Yeah, it, it couldn't have gone much better. Uh, only four spots better. That's, uh, that's about it. So um, we were really, really happy about it. Just the whole team. It, it, it was so special for for me, for the team, to do that for the team because, you know, Johnny went out on a limb this year. And I know I've said this before, but, you know, he, he told us, he said, you know, we're going to bring four cars to the track. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe we all thought he was crazy, but he, know, he knows what he's doing. Johnny knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for a long time, and he said, you know what, we're going to take four cars to the track. We started last year taking a, a fourth car part-time, and this year he said, you know, we've, we've got the personnel, we've got the resources. Why not us? Why not JD Motorsports? So um, those guys have worked so hard in the shop week in and week out, really since the drop of the checkered flag at Homestead, knowing that we needed to get things ready. Um, and and to do that, to go put one car in, in, in the top five, one car in the top ten with Ross, and, you know, I know the other cars got into a couple accidents, but they still finished the race. I think Vinny finished 20th and Joe finished 22nd or something like that. But we had four cars that finished. We brought four cars that could have won the race. Um, and that's just such a big testament to those guys and, and how hard they work. And I'm so excited for this year, especially after that start. Well, there's no question. Uh, fifth place finish is fantastic for you, Garrett. And we're all really happy for you and for Ross and really for the whole team. But I want to talk about, you know, five overtimes, man. I mean, you know, they're, obviously a lot of controversy surrounding that and what i'm kind of looking for from you is from the driver's perspective what's that like to have to sort of start stop start stop that many times i know you obviously had to be happy it went five so you got the five but uh talk a little bit about from the driver's perspective what that's like and do you are you a driver who believes in the race finishing under green 
Yeah, in hindsight, obviously, I'm I'm really glad that it played out the way it played out. But while it was playing out, it was incredibly stressful. I bet. At one point, at one point, I thought we had finished seventh. I thought the race was over. I think there was a wreck coming off of turn four, cross start finish line. I saw the white flag. I said, "All right, seventh place. That's one better than what we got last year. <laughs> this is awesome." And then my spotter keyed up and said, "No, we're going to do it again because we didn't get the white flag." I was like, no, I saw it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and so obviously I'm, I'm glad that it played out the way it went. But there's so many, you know, all those restarts, I, I, I didn't even know how many it was when we were out there. It felt like about 60. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's so many, so many things that could have happened. We could have run out of gas. I could have missed a shift. We could have got taken out of a wreck. I know Ross almost did on one of those the one of those times and damaged his car and you know he he was able to wheel that thing to a ninth place finish but um there's so much you know on the line and to to go through a race like that to get spun out in the grass you know our our goal that whole race was just to ride and ride and ride and ride and ride and not get in the mess and we got we finally started going to the front and i think it was it was 14 to go and we got spun out went through the grass Blew a tire, had to limp around, lost a lap, and I think it was like 10 laps to go. We got our lap back, but I was sitting in 30th place, and I keyed up, and I said, you know, guys, we've kind of made our bed here. There's really no point to go up there and run because the spots that we're going to pick up, because I knew we had a better car than a lot of those guys around us. So we probably would could have gotten back up to maybe 20th if I had gone hard. But I said, those spots that we were going to pick up, it really, I don't think the, the risk, outweighs the reward in that situation because you know we could could have gone up there and gotten up to 20th and, and gotten in a wreck so i stayed back and i said you know what i'm just gonna ride i'm gonna super ride now and it worked out because it was a that big wreck on the back stretch and uh we ended up going from 30th to 15th and then every single restart after that we picked the right line and we just hopped up a couple more spots hopped up a couple more spots until all of a sudden i'm on the third row looking at the leaders and we're sitting in sixth, and I'm like, holy smokes, we could win this thing. <laughs> so, and, and w- with Ross right in front of us, I mean, we were we were both right there. So that was a really cool feeling um, to be able to kind of manage the race the, the way that we wanted to. And then for the end to kind of come down to making the right spots and, and, uh, and picking and choosing the right lines and then ultimately getting that big shove that we got from Suarez down the backstretch to push us. Uh, into fifth place and finishing four wide with our teammate um that was uh that was pretty special that's a, that's a moment coming down going down the back stretch and then coming down the front stretch uh just seeing i didn't know where we finished at that point i didn't know if we were fourth i didn't know if we were sixth or seventh um that's definitely a, an image that's uh, going to be burned in my in my uh, uh memory for a long time yeah and trust me garrett when i say it, it was such a cool race to watch uh throughout the entire race and you know we always use we've been using the hashtag and, and the saying all right making nothing something and, and you really did you really turned it around and it was so cool to watch and you know we could definitely see you guys come up through the field with your red flexio cars going through everything so it was so it was so cool to watch you know just talk about your teammates there for a minute you know adding Vinny and all this stuff changing how are you how happy with you in the direction uh that jd's heading this season yeah, uh, and I want to touch on something you said. It, it, it always seems like, especially when we have Flexi on the car, um, but just all the time, 
no matter what, we always end up getting around each other in, in most every race that we run. Yeah. It's just inevitable. <laughs> so there was several laps where, you know, myself, Vinny, and Joe were all in line, right single file, all red cars. So I know there's some pretty cool pictures out there on the internet of that. And uh, I know Flex was happy about that. But all in all, um, you know, Daytona aside, I think that JD Motorsports is in the best situation that, that, that it's ever been in. Um, you know, Johnny, Johnny really deserves uh, uh, everything that, uh, uh, that, that happened at Daytona and, and everything that I think has the potential to happen this year. I think we're going to bring really strong cars to the track. Um, I think the composite bodies are really going to help us out competition-wise. I think it's going to, you know, help us catch up, so to speak, to some of those top-level teams that get all this wind tunnel time. And um, you know, we—I don't—I don't even think uh, we've ever seen a wind tunnel. <laughs> so, uh, so it's—I think it's going to be a, a really good season. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to put any extra pressure on us, but I—I I, I think we have the potential to do some really special things this year. With uh, with it being my third season now in the Xfinity Series, which is absolutely insane to think about. This is my third season doing Xfinity. Um, Ross is fourth. Uh, you know, with us two as veterans, uh, veterans so to speak. I, I still don't consider myself a veteran, but I guess uh, I guess some people would. Um, I think that we're going to work really well together, and I think having four cars is going to help us out, just because it gives us a whole other car to kind of you know get data from. Um, you know, obviously not numbers data because we don't get that in practice, but um, but just you know the information from from the drive from Matt Mills, who's going to be racing the 15 car full time. Um, you know, helping those two guys get up to speed, and then just hearing what they have to say because sometimes as a rookie you feel things that you don't feel as somebody who's been in the car for a few times, and um, that might you know help you know me or me and Ross out at some point because maybe. We didn't really think about it like that, or uh, or something like that. So, um, I'm I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a really cool team dynamic this year, and I'm just I'm so excited to to get to Atlanta. We we enjoyed Daytona. We had a lot of fun, but it's time to you know switch gears. I'm I on my way up driving up from Daytona last night. I was already thinking about Atlanta and and what I needed to do to make the car fast. Atlanta is my favorite track. Obviously, it's my home track being a, a track that I raced at a long, lot, lot of times in Bandoliers and Legend cars, um, made my truck debut there. So it's a really special track for me. So I'm uh, all, all eyes forward, and uh, I hope that we can turn some heads in Atlanta as well. Well, before we let you get to Atlanta, I want to back up just a second. I want to follow up on Chris's point a little bit and ask you, what was it like to have Joe Nemechek as a teammate at Daytona, what were you able to learn from him in all of his years of experience? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a really cool thing to have him. Oh, front row Joe, uh, front row Joe for us. He, uh, I raced door to door actually with him. Um, I know not not a lot of people um, realize this, but uh, but he made uh, an Xfinity start with us. Actually, I think I think he made two. Um, he did Phoenix, and then uh, and then came and did. Uh, came and did homestead and um that was really cool to have him there and me and him raced really door to door a lot in uh at homestead so somebody with his with his background his experience um you know his name in nascar 
it's it's really cool to be teammates with somebody like that. Um, and yeah, absolutely, he's he's always been a really good plate racer. And um, seeing some of the stuff that he did in the draft and getting to talk to him before the race, um, that that was a really 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 cool experience for sure. Well, Garrett, uh, before we let you go, I, I, I w- I'm going to challenge you here because I know uh, you're you're the king of long answers, but I want to challenge you here. Try define your experience with JD Motorsports in one word. <laughs> wow! Dream, <laughs> dream. Fair enough. It's a dream come true. It is. And not to give you another long answer, but, <laughs> but you <too> will. <laughs> but I'm going to. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to say it's a good thing. All you um, <laughs> No, Johnny really stepped up to the plate all three years for different reasons. The first year, he gave me the shot because he had no idea. You know, I mean, I ran some truck races with Mike Mittler, and I ran one Xfinity race, but I really was unproven. I didn't have a lot of experience, and Johnny stepped up and said, you know what, I'm going to give you a shot, um, and it, it it was not supposed to be a full season, and it turned into a full season because we were doing so well, and then last year, he, he was, you know, he Johnny was my biggest sponsor the, the past two years. Um, he, he, he doesn't like to, uh, uh, to park those cars. He wants to race. He's a racer through and through, and uh, he gave me the opportunity to uh, race all year long for two years in a row, and it's uh, it's been a dream come true. And then now this year, I, again, he he gave me another opportunity, and uh, really kept the seat open all off season long until I could get all my stuff together and uh, and go to him and say, hey, I, I you know let's let's make this work, let's make this happen. Uh, I haven't been shy about saying that last year was a little bit of a struggle, but. Uh, I told him that I am 100% focused and I am ready to do this both on and off track with sponsors and on track. And I'm going to be really focused this year. And I, uh, I think you're going to see a, a lot of nothing this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always fun to have you on here, buddy. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you in your element at your home track this weekend in Atlanta. I can't wait to get down there with Tom on Friday. And uh, we'll wish you the best of luck. And uh, I-, I think you know, at least from this show, for as long as we've had you on here, you have a, a fairly sizable cheering section when it comes to making nothing something. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. And um, I'm doing a lot of... Uh, live streaming on twitch lately doing uh doing oh stuff i really wanted to do one i really wanted to do one tonight but i just i just have you know even when you finish fifth place at daytona there's still a lot of stuff that you gotta do around the house and right now <laughs> as we speak i'm doing laundry so uh <laughs> getting get ready to uh getting ready to to hit the road tomorrow morning um i'm gonna stop at the shop and see some of the guys i'm i'm really really excited for that because uh, you know that that race was for them because uh, they work so hard. Um, and I, I do want to give a really special shout-out uh, to Johnny and his family. They lost uh, – uh, Johnny lost his dad on Friday, I think, um, in the morning. And uh, he was our guardian angel. He got us through those wrecks, and um, he was definitely looking down on us and smiling and uh, having a good time watching us, uh, watching his son's car finish fifth and ninth. 
All right, Garrett, uh, always fun to have you on here, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing Garrett and the number zero Chevrolet Camaro on track this weekend at Atlanta. That's Garrett Smithley. We're going to step aside when we return. A very quick lightning round here to close the madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. This is our white flag segment, and before we get into our lightning round, Garrett Smithley touched on it before the break. We do want to uh, send our condolences, Tom, out to Johnny Davis on uh, the loss of his dad there. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I know that was really tough, but I know it was uh, a big smile to the whole team to uh, to have the result that they had on Saturday. Absolutely. That was kind of that that to me feels like a win for them. Oh gosh, absolutely. Uh, in a lot of ways the the performance on the track of course I speak of uh, yes. and that would be a dedication to him and a for way sure. to uh, thank him, and I'm sure that uh, he was smiling, looking down, and Absolutely. enjoying all of that. Absolutely. Our lightning round, I got a couple of questions that we can go around the table. We'll go like this. Tom will answer first. I know you hate when uh -oh. I do that because you like to think, but Tom, Not necessarily. then Steve, 
and then Chris. So, kids, we're going to start with this. Describe Sunday's Daytona 500 finish in one word. Controversial. Okay, you took the cop-out answer, but... Well, I'll, I'll, what else did you want me to say? <laughs> I'll let it so Describe it in one word. Steve. Breathtaking. Ooh, I like I, that. I like that, too. I like that. Murdoch. Survival. I, I like that, too. Uh, I, B- Bill's answer in our chat was so good that I'm going to steal it. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. It was definitely awesome. I mean, look, I, again... I, you know, would I have preferred it be a clean run to the end? Yes, but that welcome to plate racing. Yeah. This is what you get. After the way that Eric Almarola ran, yes, it's a restrictor plate race, but I have to admit that I had my doubts going into the start of this season. Sunday, even though it was Daytona, helped alleviate some of those doubts in that I listened to some of the communication on the scanner and I heard Eric clicking with the crew chief and with his team very, very well. So my second lightning round question, does Eric Almarola win a race with Stuart Haas this year? And if so, where? Um, yes, I said when they announced officially, air quotes, the pairing that he would win a race. As far as where, gosh, I have no idea. I mean, Daytona has been a nice track for him, hasn't it? Uh, Fair enough. So I almost want to think maybe Daytona in July. And wouldn't that be a little bit of redemption? Yes, absolutely. Steve. Jacob, make sure you're seated for this. Uh He will, and it'll happen at Kansas. Oh, how, how poetic would that be? Oh, right, because that's where, yeah. Come back. Roof. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, sure. that would be poetic, yeah. Steve. Come on. Um, you know, I agree with all both of you saying that he will win a race this week, but I think it'll be in Ford's backyard, Michigan. Ooh, that could be fun. Well, that would be interesting. Stuart Haas has been good at Michigan. Yes. Nevertheless. Yeah, they have. All right. Lightning round question number three. The NASCAR Xfinity Series saw the closest margin of victory in NASCAR history, .0004, or in the rule book officially, .000. Are you buying or selling Elliot Sadler's declaration that NASCAR should have awarded a tie? Oh, sure, why not? For crying out loud, the poor guy's been trying for 423 years to win at Daytona. For goodness sake, have a heart. I mean, you know, look, no, of course not. But, you know, he ran a great race. And he did. I think Elliott's definitely primed this year for a good championship run. He's just got a different attitude right now. Steve, I saw the buy or sell from you. What, do you, what say you? Well, I mean... You think about it, guys. We go from Homestead and what happened there to Daytona and him losing a race in the closest finish in NASCAR history. Somebody's got to be talking that man off the ledge. But no, (laughs) no, no. We cannot cannot have a tie, and we'll just make sure somebody stays with Elliot at all times until we get to Atlanta. Murdoch. Racing is racing, boys. Tyler Reddick drove a phenomenal race, as did Elliott, but Tyler Reddick won. All right, final lightning round question. Tyler Reddick fired a shot by winning the season opener. How many races, give me a number, does Tyler win before we start the playoffs? 
Three. Total. Two more. Two more. So three total. Okay, Steve. Two total. Four. Woo. I am actually going to answer this one, and I surprisingly agree with you, Tom. Three. Three total. total. I believe he's going to be very, very good, and I believe he could make the season sweep possible at Daytona International Speedway. Can I just say really quickly yes. that I think part of the reason it's only three, I'm going with all junior motorsports cars getting a win this year, including Michael Annette. Wow. Oh, wow. Absolutely. That's bold. That is bold. Absolutely. That is bold. I like bold. Tom Baker from the top rope. Jacob, you <laughs> didn't even answer the hardest question. Where will Eric Almarola win? <laughs> all right. So – it's going to be at a short track. It's going to be at Martinsville coming up in about five weeks. So with that, we are going to quickly throw a checkered flag on this show before Bill throws something at me and say thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, and our social media partners at 3 Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and all the folks at the Performance Motorsports Network, as well as Bill Holt behind the glass from the Carolina School of Broadcasting for making this show possible. For Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks, and we might just see you at a racetrack somewhere. Have a safe racing weekend till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com a member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.